Hey everybody, welcome to Two Lovecraft and Back. I am one of your hosts, Michael, and our other host is the one, the only Aaron. Come on, the one and only Aaron. And we are here with our first official episode of Two Lovecraft and Back. And today we will be celebrating Halloween. So happy Halloween to everybody. And on today's episode, we will be breaking down the very first episode of Lovecraft Country. Like, I'm super excited because with this episode, with this podcast, beginning basically at the end of the series this is an opportunity for us to actually get really deep into the series and you know take our time with it because we don't we've watched it and i can tell you now i've watched episode three three times i just watched it last night but we've watched the whole season we're in the process of rewatching. we're in the process of reading the books and this is a part where we can actually take our time and digest each individual episodes. And this is an opportunity for people who have watched the show to come along and listen to us. And also for people who are just now starting a show and follow along with our episodes. Because like I said, we're just taking our time. We're going to go through the whole series. We're also going to go through the book. And hey, we're here. Aaron, how are you feeling today? Oh, I am feeling ecstatic. I am so excited because like this episode we're gonna get deeper into it but like this this was a perfect setup for such a great series i I just oh i i'm ready to dive in like it just just you have you have all these great you know plot points that are set up in such you know short time and it's like a film in itself you know it's just it's kudos kudos to the whole team you know you guys did so amazing with this episode like the first episode I was blown away and I just cannot believe what I was watching and then how it ended. I was like, okay, I want more. Well, since me and Aaron are ready to dive into this, let's go ahead and give you a summary of what episode one is entitled Sundown Towns. So the summary is Atrocitus Freeman meets up with his friend Latia and his uncle George to embark on a road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America in search of his missing father. So, all right. Interesting. The opening scene is a glimpse, I think, for me, was a glimpse into the Lovecraft universe because we had all these monsters and everything just going everywhere. But it was just kind of cool to see, to also find out that this was his dream. And that's our main character, Atrocitus Freeman. You see him fighting his way through the trenches of this world that we're seeing. And you see all these different creatures. And then we hear this voice tell us, this is a story of a boy and his dreams. And I'm like, hmm, is he dreaming? How was you feeling when you saw this first scene, Aaron? I was very intrigued because like, you, you know, Seeing the the promos and kind of just, you know, based off of the summary, you know, you are expecting this very down-to-earth, grounded kind of, you know, opening. And we do get that, but the very first scene being the, you know, basically, like you said, the Lovecraft universe, mm-hmm. I, you know, that just, it immersed you into this, this huge you know, space battle and you see all of these monsters that came straight from the Lovecraft, you know, stories. And you have this, you know, the amazing scene of, uh, 
I'll go ahead and say it of the amazing scene of our one and only Jackie Robinson. Oh man, him saving them. The that was so campus. that was amazing. Like, yeah. cause as since we about to go ahead and get into that, seeing Jackie Robinson save this young black man from this horrendous monster that Lovecraft has created, which I think and I think we all know, I think it was Cthulhu, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you see this this known legend, this known African-American baseball player saved this guy and this princess who I have to get into, Miss Jamie Chun, like coming down this saucer, all pretty and, you know, dainty, all this red skin and everything. And she's just like coming out and she embraces um, embraces him. And I'm just like, oh, but it's so funny how as we said, it sets up so many plot lines for the future of this series. Like, because at first, I mean, you think, oh, this is just, a, you know, him dreaming about this alien princess. But then it comes down to it that he was reading this book and it makes him, you know, I guess it was him just dreaming about him reading the book and everything that of his imagination. And that book is A Princess of Mars by Edgar Rice. And I feel like for him to be dreaming about that and then have that. I'm trying not to talk about it because it's not saying spoilers, but it's like the future of the episodes of him having this relationship with this person, but for him to be thinking about that person in this state of mind of this dream is just, it's a plot and it gives you, it it makes you intrigued about, well, how does he know her and why is he dreaming about her as a princess of Mars? Like, it just makes you just really think about, you know, the possibilities of this show. But yeah, this is a great opening scene, like very sci-fi, very space, very, you know, it was like a dream. Um, I saw somebody point out that it went from black and white to color. And as I watched it over last night, that was a con- that was really, really kind of cool how it started off as black and white. And then it went into this color. And I felt also that the, I felt like the music, like, when it went from black and white to color, I felt like it kind of changed a little bit. It was really, it was, it's very cool how they're really bringing this, this story to life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I think that, um, you know, it just, it really was a perfect setup and it, it kind of reminded me of, you know, how the old B movies open up, you know, just mm-hmm. with all this, you know, great action and mm-hmm. you know, promise of something, you know, bigger. And we definitely get that. But I, what I really love about that whole thing was that as soon as our main character wakes up, you know, it's a perfect contrasting mm. you know, element, you know, because we see him in 1950s America, where yes. you know, the colored's only section in the bus Mm-hmm. And you just you see you automatically know you know what's in store because of you know all of the you know horrible you know stories and images and videos that we've seen you know from mm-hmm. those times we you know and when the bus stops you know and our two people of color have to get off the bus and they have to walk while everyone mm-hmm. else you know gets to get on a truck and go like it's just a perfect setup yeah. for what we're about to get into. It was like his dream, but his reality as well, yeah. because when he woke up, that was his reality. Right. And I to touch on the whole bus breaking down scene, like I was shook <laughs> because seeing him 
right there reading that book and then him seeing this this guy pull up on this truck and then they start helping these 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 white folks and i'm just like oh junk like they not they not about to get on this back of this truck with them like they are about to walk and then the next scene you see them walking and i'm just like wow it was really that real back in the day that you see him on this segregated bus. You see him and this lady back in the back. You see all the white folks in the front. So it's just like, wow, this was his reality. This was his world. This is not a dream. This is what he was living. Um, since they were talking about them walking, I mean, the lady, he was basically telling the lady, you know, I'm heading back to, you know, Chicago. My dad sent me this odd letter about, you know, him and everything like that. And, then she also questions him about the book that he was reading. And it's kind of crazy because he was excited to tell her that he was reading a princess from Mars, like, because he is a bookworm. That is something that we get to see one of his personalities. That's something that we get to see that he enjoy. He enjoy reading book, as you can see from his imagination, from his dream, he's read a ton of books. So, you know, he's, his imagination is really, really big. And maybe books is his escape from his reality. I mean, from starting off this first episode and these first 10 minutes of the episode, that's what I think. I think that he reads a lot to escape the world of that he's living in and what he's doing. As you can see that he is a, he's a, he's a soldier. So prior to now, we don't know what he's been through as a soldier. So he uses a lot of books to, you know, have a little moment for himself and, you know, escape reality. Right. Right. And it, it's, it's a perfect, you know, culmination of, you know, what we're being promised. You, like, you know, as soon as you have that whole introduction, it's mm-hmm. giving us exactly what, you know, the trailers and summary, you know, has already stated is that we're dealing with a era where black people are extremely oppressed mm-hmm. and we get monsters, you know. And I remember watching that, you know, still being kind of confused. I was intrigued, but I was like, okay, so if that was a dream, does that mean he's going to be going back and forth in dreams? You know, like what is really going on? And, you know, as we're going to go deeper in the episode, we see that that's completely different. Right. But, you know, the setup with him receiving a letter from his father like that, that alone kind of, kind of um, piqued my interest because, you know, you already, you know, have this, you know, basically let's just call it what it is. This, you know, topic of black men and their fathers, Mm -hmm. especially during that era, you know, being, you know, very staunch, being very, you know, kind of shaky, you know, because, you know, as we see, you know, he's a soldier, you know, who was in, you know, in the war and it, you know, you, as we, you know, dive deeper, we're going to see, you know, what, what's his men, you know, his mentality like, right. You know, just kind of, just kind of seeing, you know, him being this, you know, very talkative bookwormish kind of guy, you know, we you know, we automatically know, well, this is our leading man, whatever he's about to get into, you know, it's going to be something, something for the books and, Right. I feel like you can already tell that he's passionate about whatever his character development is, even though he doesn't know what his character development is. But you can tell that he's passionate for whatever is in front of him because he's he's on a mission. And I mean, I feel like when he was a soldier, he had missions to complete. So I feel like this is just another mission for him. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So let's just go ahead and move on to the next two people that we get to be introduced to. And that is George and Hippolyta Freeman, which we see a scene where they're talking about them assembling a traveling guide for Black Americans, which is in real reality, the green book that was used for black travelers for 30 years. Um, we're introduced to these characters. Yes, they're laying in the bed and, you know, it's morning and, you know, they're having their conversations and everything. But what I get from them is that these are two loving individuals already. Um, you can tell that they care for one another and you can tell already that there's some type of, um, how can I say this without being like talking about future episodes? It's like, you know, there's already this feel of something that's in the air that has not been cleared. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he said, I think for me, when he said that I've never, you know, I've never got to make love to you in the day of light. It's just like, that makes me think that they work all the time. He's always traveling. She's always traveling. So I don't feel like they actually get to, enjoy their company as husband and wife and actually love like yes they love each other but you know what like dating or things like that i don't feel like they've had the opportunity to truly you know focus on themselves they've been focused on taking care of everybody else around them how did you feel about meeting them for the first time Uh, i think it was it was you see a very passionate you know black couple Mm -hmm. that um, is you know, essentially middle age, which you don't see a lot in uh, media nowadays, um, you know, to this extent, you know, showing how passionate they are for each other and picking up kind of where you were talking about how he, how George was, you know, saying he'd never made love to her during the day, you know, just getting all of that just from one line that shows how powerful, you know, you, you get these lines that basically open the floodgates to, you know, the entire um, characters, mm-hmm. uh, you know, backstory, like base, you know, you, you really did hit the hammer on the head when you said they're, you know, these two, they don't see each other. Mm-hmm. Often. You can tell just by the way they interact with each mm-hmm. other. And, you know, you can, you really know that there's love there, but there is some tension and that's still reflective of the fifties. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're going through a lot of things in, the, right. in that time period. I mean, it is Jim Crow America right now. Right. So, and then with them risking their lives to make mm-hmm. to make this travel of books for their brothers and sisters to be able to be safe when they can travel, they're right. they're risking they're risking their lives at the end of the day, and Absolutely. they don't know if they're gonna see each other. They don't know if they're gonna you know be able to tell each other they love them. So mm-hmm. there's a lot. <laughs> With that, just to unpack with them. So, but I love them together. They are amazing. And just Great. seeing where they're going is amazing as well. Yeah, they, they are, they truly are a, a loving couple who run a, a decent household. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that goes kind of, we segue into their daughter, uh, D, you know, mm-hmm. that. Like she, I think it's hilarious. The first thing you see other than her, you know, using her artistic skills. Right. She hears her parents making love. She's like, gross. Right. It's like, it's real. Like, it's like you see a child that's like, okay, uh uh-uh, not this happening. This is really happening. Okay, gross. The fact that you said her artistic skills, like, 
And I wonder if I said it yet in my notes. I did not say it yet, but like she is very artistic. Like she really has a skill. And even with us seeing her draw this space character and, you know, this her, you can see that she's creative. You can see that she uses her brain a lot. You can see that she's 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 very open when it comes to creativity. So that was one thing that just piqued my interest with her is to see what else would she do with her creativity. Right. Right. And I, I definitely think um, as the series goes further, you know, they'll explore that. But, you know, just just seeing, you know, this little black girl. You know, mm-hmm. time doing something completely out of the ordinary because they could have easily had her character, you know, be outside, you know, jumping rope or something. But they, right. had her, you know, basically being a homebody, and mm-hmm. you know, and it also shows that, you know, like we were saying earlier, it just it also shows, you know, the, the characters between that whole dynamic. This is a very intelligent family, right? You know, they're very they're Ooh. very book smart. Very book smart, and I, I just I, I thought about that mama being intelligent. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, because yeah. the whole mama, oh man, intelligent, like, oh, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's a family of geniuses, and it is a family of geniuses. Um, and then we have Atrocitus coming in scaring D on that little part but I mean it wasn't like it was like a shock of oh my god he's here like he hasn't been here in a long time so to see the family love that they have when they welcome Tick back to Chicago in their home you can tell that this is a, a black family that loves each other you can tell that they've either been through some things and with him going to the army and being a soldier I feel like you can tell that he's been gone for a minute right. um for them to have that reaction of him being back home. So to see that they, you know, they care for him and that they love him and that he's back. I felt like that was like another, you know, another ace in the hole for me to see that this black family is happy and, you know, showing compassion and showing love for one of their loved ones coming back home. Right. Because they, they could have easily had it where he comes back and, you know, it's very sullen and it's like, oh, my gosh, you came back from the war. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just I really love how, you know, it's it's just very reflective, you know, to have, you know, just this black family just being so positive and intelligent and just, you know, being very into each other. Yes. And, you know, I think the contrasting. Uh, part comes in when he, you know, when Tick brings up that the you know letter from his father, mm-hmm. his mother, and I think, you know, just the reaction that you know George alone has. George was this like super positive character, kind of being like, um, "Are you sure you want to bring this up?" You know that that already kind of you know perked, got my ears perked up to be like, "Okay, something's up, something's right. not right." You know, and I th- I think, you know, that also speaks about the whole series, you know, the sense of dread, you know, because you, you kind of hear like some chords, you know, when he brings up the letter and it, it shows that, uh, you know, Tick and, you know, George, even though they have, you know, really great relationship, there's still this unease that, you know, there's something, you know, below the surface with Tick that we're just, you know, we haven't seen yet. Right. 
Like it's, I feel like it's just off gate. You can just feel like, okay, what is the, what is the underlying secret? <laughs> like, right. what's the tea? What's going on? Like, you know. But I think what I like about Uncle George and Tix's um companionship already is that you can tell that his uncle cares for his nephew, and you can tell that the nephew cares for his uncle because it's like. Soon as Tick said, you know, I got this letter and, you know, George was just like, you know, like you said, do you really want to get into this? Do you really want to, you know, do you really want to take it there? Do you want to really open up this? And Tick's basically just like, yeah, like, I want to know. I want answers. Like, if my dad is telling me that I that, you know, I have a secret birthright, then let me know what my birthright is. That means obviously something that I don't know that I need to know about myself. So, you know, and the fact that his uncle is right there 100% behind him, mm-hmm. you know, maybe hesitant, but is 100% behind him for Tick and wants to help him, you know, figure out what his dad is, you know, saying this birthright is. So, and I, I thought the birthright was going to be like some land or something, you know, not some land, slave, you know, because slavery, you know, being abolished. I, I thought like his family owned some land, or come to some land. No, no, no. They it ain't even like that. Oh, oh man. I can't wait to get into that. Um, Let's keep it moving. Uh, Tick also like from the letter, Tick does refer to. This place called Lovecraft Country, which he believes is in Arkham, Massachusetts. But um, fun fact, Arkham House comes from the publishing company that wrote a lot of or that published a lot of Lovecraft, HP Lovecraft short stories. So that was a kind of little cool Easter egg. We um, there's a lot of Easter eggs that I've seen and read about throughout this whole series that we might get to touch on one episode where we just talk about all the Easter eggs that we've seen in the series, which will be kind of cool because there are a lot. I mean, for another one, the green book, the real green book that was made for travelers for 30 years, that's an Easter egg. So, you know, to find these little things about, you know, that's in this show, that's a little bit right here, a little bit right here, like another one. We'll say one more. This is my last one. War of the Worlds is in the opening scene of this episode. Like the aliens and how they are robots and they're like the ones that are like walking like robots and they have legs. That comes from War of the Worlds. So I think that was kind of cool. I saw that and I read about that. So there's a lot of Easter eggs that are in this whole entire episode and for episodes to come. So maybe one day me and April will break them down for you because I'm totally interested in what I've been reading about and seeing these little cool things. And actually someone referenced to pop culture and someone referenced to things that happened years ago, but it's so cool that Misha and her team put all of these little, you know, Easter eggs in there. I'm an Easter egg fan from watching Marvel and DC movies. So the fact that I have another way to break down some Easter eggs, this is going to be exciting. So look out for that episode where we just talk about Easter eggs. But continuing on to our story, uh, George corrects him and says, Ardham, after decoding Martrice's, Montrose's uh, letter that he wrote to uh, Tick. So he figures out that this is another place that, you know, is where this 
birthright might be. So how are you feeling about was, George decoding? That was a good that? little twist. Um, I really thought they were going to be going, you know, to to find this Arkham. And I thought it was going to be like some big grand epic journey with a, <laughs> a nephew and his, his uncle. And, you know, I, I thought it was going to be. Don't sell it. Don't sell it. Don't sell it. Don't, <laughs> don't sell it short. Cause it was a journey. I it was be something different. I just say that. I thought it was going to be very different, but right. You know, that was a good little twist where he was like, no, you know, he, you know, brought up the light and mm-hmm. he corrected him. And that, and that was, that really did set off the bells and whistles for me right then is that something isn't right. You know, right. and then I started, you know, doubting if that was even from his father. And, you know, it just it that's when when I start getting those kind of thoughts with a with a show, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued. What's about mm-hmm. to happen? Right. I was intrigued, like I hate to say it, but I was intrigued, like you said, into the series, there's just so much already happening. And then as the episode went on, it just stuff just kept happening and kept happening. And as episodes going, stuff just keep happening. So like this is top tier show. I'm sorry. It is, it is a top tier show. Get into it. You'll love it. I promise you. Like take your time, but it really is a top tier show. Um, as we continue, we get to the block party. <laughs> where we are introduced to Letitia, Liddy, Lewis, and her older sister, Ruby. They sing together, but you can feel, and I wrote this in the notes, you can feel this a little tension because, you know, when Ruby started, stopped singing her first song and, you know, uh, Liddy was like, um, whole lot of shaking. And Ruby looked at her like, girl, like, what you doing here? Like, like, and I'm like, okay, like, you can already tell that it was some tension. And I'm like, okay, what's the tea? Like, why y'all beefing? What's going on? Like, your sister came back. She said a whole lot of shaking. Let's see a whole lot of shaking. Let's hear you sing. But, you know, lady came on up there and, you know, they said it, whatever their little words or whatever. But, you know, they started singing. And what I did like about that is that the fact that, these are two black women that can sing. Like I've seen behind the scenes of them practicing and dancing and everything. And I'm sorry, I got to talk about it. Birds of Prey, we got to see Miss Journey sing as Miss Black Canary. And she sung, uh, This is a Man's World. So like, we already knew she could sing, but the fact that she started singing with her sister, I was like, okay, like I'm getting Journey. Like, this is it. Like, okay, I'm in it. Let's go. Like, I was excited. I was happy because when I first saw the trailer and I saw Journey, I was like, okay, I'm shook. Like, I'm ready. Just, I already, first half of the year, I already been hype about her for her doing Black Canary and everything in Birds of Prey. But now I get to see you in something that I love, supernatural and horror. And then it's like, you know, this type of horror and this type of genre. I'm like, okay. But at the same time, it's got a little, you know, fun, a little lighthearted edit. For this scene, you get to see these two sisters do something that they love and that sing together. Like she said, we haven't sang since it's been church. And, you know, like, that's cool because you know that they grew up in the church. You're getting a little bit of tear pieces about them growing up and everything like that. But to see them actually sing a whole lot of shaking, it was cute. I loved it. I was here for it. 
I don't want to talk about the next scene because when they get off that stage, that's when it got real. So I'm gonna let you talk about them. <laughs> How did you feel about them singing? Ooh, okay, about the singing. I loved, I loved um Ruby's introduction, you know, her pulling out that uh Rosetta Thorpe uh guitar, like mm-hmm. um, like that, that you know, they really pay attention to their uh to their they did their homework. Yeah. Um, great job, Misha. But when Letty pops up, and like you said, when she, you know, gives Ruby a whole lot of shaking, and Ruby just like, uh, "What are you even doing here?" You know, that was that that kind of let me know, like you said, there was tension, and but it also speaks on, you know, the whole dynamic between these two, you know, sisters. It's like even though they may have issues and they may disagree, they will still, you know, come together. Mm-hmm. Even if it's on stage, you know, and singing, but like they still come together and, right. you know, they essentially do what they think is right. But, mm-hmm. you know, I loved, I love when they sang, like you said, I was, I was here when, you know, I was, I'm here for Journey. Anytime she drops, drops a hit, come on Journey, drop a whole album. Oh, come on, Jenny. Bless us with an album. Oh, my God. Give it to the people. (sighs) Like, we will be your... The stands can be your canaries. I promise. Okay. We will stand. But, yeah, I I loved it. I just... I I love that whole, you know, setup. Right. Kind of having... You know, it's just very free, very fun. And, you know, Mm -hmm. having a block party. You right. know, that's, like you said, that was, I think that was the last inkling right before anything you thought this series would be is completely just thrown out the window. Because, right. You know, it's just, you know, you get a very, you know, I think up until this point, it's just a very, you know, calm, grounded series about this, you know, black man trying to find right. his father, meets his uncle and aunt and his, you know, cousin. And there's, you know, a couple of, uh, women, you know, who sing and one who's a photographer, and you know, there's there could be some tension and some drama, but right, the block part, and everybody's happy, you know, and there could be some racial issues because Jim it's Crow era, soap but, opera, yeah, it, it goes, <laughs> yeah, it just goes like for this our soap opera people, people, if you remember Passions, it's, it's oh, like, don't you start talking about Passions, <laughs> I, I, cut it out. Oh, yeah. you said this strong black man, I gotta talk about him real quick because. Um, while we're at the black part and listen to the girls sing a whole lot of shaking, we see him previously in this um in this scene beforehand. You saw the police uh shut down the uh fire hydrant for the kids that they were playing and everything. I mean, it's a hot summer day. Let them kids have some water. But you see that white officer shut them down and not be able to have fun and everything like that. But we see this strong black man tick. You know, hey, it's the block party. He goes out. He looks at it. He has that flash of, you know, what happened. He goes out. Boom. Breaks it open. Water is out. It just adds more element to the black. I mean, not to the black party. (laughs) To the block party. It adds more element to it. And you can see, you know, everybody just having fun. And it's just this nice Friday night or whatever, Saturday night, and it's just this good time, you know, just listening to this live music and just having a great time and, you know, carefree and everything. I thought that was a nice little, you know, tidbit of Tick as the main character. I felt like that was more of, you know, like a little bit of him stepping into his character development because, you know, he's fighting for everybody and he's fighting for his people. So I felt like that was a little good little piece of him to see, you know, him 
have that moment and have that water be back out for everybody to enjoy. Um, back to these sisters, because child, when they got off the stage, like Ruby, I just got to say it one time. Ruby said, <laughs> she said, I think what it for me was that she was like two nights. Like, you can only stay two nights. And I thought that was so funny to me because it's like, girl, why are you so pressed about her for staying for two nights? Like, I get that you mad or whatever that it is that the case. Yes, I get it. She did not come to your mom, y'all's mom's funeral. But did you ask your sister, was she okay? Did you ask her, was she grieving? Did you ask her anything before you? I get it. Like, I. I, I, you know, I totally get the situation, but for me, it's like I guess I'm already on Letty's side because I feel like, girl, I just got back and you already ready to cuss me out about some stuff, and I'm just trying to have, you know, a good night with you. But then, like Ruby says, you all would would you back here for some money? So it's just something that Letty does all the time. But it's just as soon as they got off that stage, it's like Letty was trying to keep it cute, <laughs> but when you know Ruby got into her, it was like the tension was just there and, you know, whatever unresolved issues, which is, I guess, Letty not going to the funeral of their mother, but you can just feel that tension off. And it's just, like I said, two nights, Letty, you have two nights. <laughs> How would you feel, man? She, just, she was not having what, whatever Letty was, was selling. She was not buying. And that, that is actually really, um, <laughs> it's hilarious how she just, she automatically knew Letty needed something. Mm-hmm. Like she knows her sister, but she's just like, I don't want to fool with you. You got right. nights. Leave me alone after that. And like, like I said, that, that tension that's there and just, that was it's very unfortunate for Letty, but it's it's good drama for us. But it right. also, you know, it's a very uh it's very realistic because you know, mm-hmm. we know a lot of people who have, you know, family who are just like, I don't fool with them, I don't want right. to with them. You know, that, that's they tackled that very realistically and very well. And I just I appreciate how, you know, it's still it was still kind of lighthearted because, you know, the whole block party scenario, but right. know, the tension and Liddy was just like, you know, she down on her luck. You know, she really needed to, you know, recuperate. But I, I also think it was really hilarious. Like when she looked over and saw Tick and she's like, that's little, t-, you know, that's Tick. That's little Tick. That was funny. And then he had his shirt off. So she was hooked already, mesmerized, <laughs> starstruck. She was like, that's tick with the glasses. Oh, that's tick tick. <laughs> no, stop. But no, nah. she was, she was, she was hooked already, and it's just crazy because then you get to see this development of these two characters happen because you like she has her eyes on him, and I think he did look at her. I can't remember, but you know, to see that be the beginning of their character development as the two of them. So you know, that's exciting to see because I mean, she's a beautiful black woman and he's this beautiful black man with no shirt on i'm sorry um but it's just funny to see that she was already like that's it and he ain't got no shirt on like girl i know your teeth <laughs> it was funny though it was really good to see um but yeah i think we're good with the block party um i think next we can talk about the next day we see Tick looking through these drawings, which includes symbols of the KK 
meetings and a safe havens for black travelers. And it also, which brought in the thought to my mind is also as well, is that does it make us wonder D knows men, D's no, D knows more than what she told, what she's told. Let's talk about it. Like, and I think me, you had already said this and I think I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it. Like, no shade. Is she a prophet? <laughs> Because we talked about this, and I'm a, we can go ahead and just just talk about it, but like, no, no shade is she a prophet? Because like, if she's already drawing stuff like that, what like what are you dreaming about? What are you reading? It goes back and playing and playing with her creativity. Like, what are you reading? Have you been reading your daddy George's book? Like, right. have you been you know tapping into H.P. Lovecraft? No shade. Like, have you been? Right exposed to this world that you don't know nothing about but exposed to the world in the reality of what you're living in right now so it just makes me think and then you see your dad doing this safe travelers book so are you making this map that's for safe that can show out like well hold on let me get it right are you making this map that's almost like a safe travel map right so, you know, it makes me feel like Dee, she knows more than what she's told. Like, she's very creative. That She's very curious about the world that she's living in right now. And maybe later that will get her into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dee. Love Dee. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. So, I guess we can get into the whole trio. George, Tick, and Letty all banding up together to hit the road and go to Artem together and figure out what is this secret birthright like. But, you know, as they're traveling, you know, they're going through this Jim Crow America. They're being looked at. They're, you know, they're being persecuted. (laughs) Like... To get into the, we're going deeper into the actual name of the episode, Sundown Town. You, they right. go through a Sundown Town, like you know, this is where stuff. I feel like this is the second half of the episode where stuff really gets real. Um, I don't have it in our notes. I hope you have it. Where, where they're driving and they're listening to this speech, and it's basically like the speech is like. Talking, it, the speech is happening in the future, but it's actually talking about what's happening now to them. Um, I did not get the name of that speech. Um, I because I, I, I was actually I actually meant to make a note of that. Right. Um, we can. I, I think it was. Um, I believe it was James Baldwin. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I think that's what it is. I I yeah. didn't want to be wrong, but I think that's what it was. Right. It was James Baldwin and. Right. Just, it just went know, hand in hand for what they was traveling right. through to when James Baldwin made that speech. It was like, I guess, in the future of that time period, because that was the 1950s. But he right. said that maybe years later. So this goes, I think with the point I'm trying to make is that the fact that Misha and her crew are really taking narratives like that and making it for the present time in the show. And it makes me go and look and research about it and figure out, you know, how did this go hand in hand? And, you know, what does it mean for the show or what does it mean for us as a people now? So I say kudos to them because, I mean, 
yeah, I should have knew who James Baldwin was, but the fact that I had to go back and figure out who he was and, you know, listen to that speech, you know, I feel like, like I said, like in the uh, intro episodes, it's ed- the show is educational for people. It sparks conversations. It, you know, it keeps us on us. It keeps us on our toes. Everybody. It keeps everybody on their toes. Um, but yeah. Um, I think, I think it also, um, just kind of, and I guess this could also segue into, you know, the scenes that kind of come in right after immediately mm-hmm. is that the, the level, the degree of racism mm-hmm. that this, you know, this whole um, setup shows, it's, it's very similar. You know, this kind of goes into what I was saying, you know, in our, our um, opening you know, introduction episodes is that this kind of goes further, you know, than what, you know, a lot of other uh, films and television shows uh, have gone into in terms of racism, because beforehand, you know, you've gotten like the ugly looks, you've got the N word thrown at them, but the brutality, you know, it's mostly off screen unless, you know, it's slavery, but here, you know, you hear like all the whispers and, you know, when they get into the diner, you know, you get this, like, I already knew something was up when he's in <laughs> Uncle George was like, I'm looking for this particular, this particular diner. I, I, I know it's around here, but this will do, you know, like, why is, you know, that should already be a question. I thought it was like some magic or something, but. When Ooh, that would like a glance, like it was like almost like a glamour. Mm-hmm. Like that's Ooh. what I was going on. But when they walked in there and you see this this guy, you know, just kind of look over and you have the server look at them, you know, look at them crazy. And right. I was just like, I don't care. Right. You know, I, still I eat. That. Right. Uncle George like, was I like, I'm that. still going to eat and we're going to have this food. And if they stay going to serve us, they serve us, they don't. But plot twist, <laughs> like you know, you um, you see Uncle George and you see Tick talking about the establishment, the diner that they in. But you also see Letty in the back. You know, I think I think she was going to trying to find a restroom or trying to find a bathroom, and then you see her walk up on the server. He can't mm-hmm. see her, but she sees him, and he's on the phone, basically saying that, hey. It's some unwanted people in this place. You know, what do I need to do? Blah, blah, blah. And it pans back to Tick and his uncle. And he was talking about, you know, he asked me, said, why did they build the White House white? Mm-hmm. And Uncle George proceeded to say and everything. And then it's just crazy because hand in hand how that scene was where he was like, because they burnt it. They burnt it up. And like he pulled his... Tick pulls back the floorboard and you can see that it was burnt. And then here comes Latia. We have to get your ass up out of here because we got to get the fuck out of here. Like that was like a perfect, like it's the way she was running and it was the way she like her heels and everything just clicking and clacking and everything. And she's like, no, we got to get up out of here. And I'm just like, oh, like. I wasn't. I was laughing at her just because, like, the scene itself, like, you know. But them getting out of there and then being chased by these crazy firemen and like, uh, that scene was crazy. That car chase, the car chase was crazy because, like, that's the first time we actually get some action in this episode. You know that 
it kind of gives us what we were promised. Exactly. Um, like it was like that. It was the excellent build up to that right. from them running out of there to that happening that car chase. And right. then, you know, everything else that happens with that car chase, Miss Good old, Miss Good old Christina. <laughs> Can't wait to talk about her. But it was just all the elements in that particular scene were there and were amazing. I mean, these black people being in this diner, being chased out this diner, then being chased out this right. this county. Like it was crazy. Right a whole different county too like that I think that is it, it's so it you know you you know that the series you know is built around you know these mostly these three characters and you're like they're gonna make it but the action you know is just so intense and then you know like you said when Christina you know Miss Blue Eyes when she pops up you know, and the thing is, we see her um her very you know her incredibly silver vehicle we see it earlier um, you know, kind of following Tick um, when Tick goes to ask, um, I forgot the man's name, but at the bar when he... Oh, yes, 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 yes. You, yes, see, yes. Her car, you see her car and then seeing it again and then her, you know, coming outside and looking straight at Tick, like that already lets you know there's something mysterious you know, talked about. And then kind of going right, you know, diving right into what happens after is that, you know, they pull over you know, to basically, you know, pee break and to have this police officer come up and that, that just, you know, I already knew what was coming, you know, because you've right. seen kind of things, you know, happen a billion times. You've heard the stories, you, you know, you know, this is even reflective of what's happening now, but right. when he said, Oh, you've heard of sundown towns. This is a sundown County. I was like, Oh, Oh, right. whoa, whoa, this, In trouble. <laughs> And telling him that he has, you know, they have until sundown to get out of there and knowing they have to drive a particular speed. They can't go over the speed limit because right. if they do, they'll get pulled over. And, you know, that that whole scene, I think that scene was the scariest thing from this episode because it's so realistic and the tension, you know, just the music, like the way the buildup, that just it's so slow. Right. And it just, you know, you feel like they're going to make it. But if they don't, something awful is going to happen. And, you know, I think for me with that part was that, like you said, they didn't they couldn't go over the speed limit. Like right. and they were it was like the cop was behind them and they were going slow. But to see them, you know, almost saying that they weren't breathing like they were like they like was trying to hold their breath because they was like trying to get out this county and like that was a scary scene because you didn't know if they were going to make it out or not but when they get across that line it's like a whole another set of police officers waiting for them and messed up that that yeah that's when I knew that I think that was the moment when uh because me and my dad were watching he turned around he's like okay now I need I need to see what happens whoa <laughs> like it just when you have you know them basically were they were being set up and that's why they had to drive so slow because right all these police from the county in the next county they're waiting for them and then right. taking them out to the woods to you know basically you know either I, I I'm sure they were going to lynch them. Um, 
but you know the way they had their guns like it was that was incredibly terrifying just to how realistic that is because i know for you know just from having uh some grandparents who you know grew up you know way before that era uh just you know hearing these things like that it just that's terrifying for anybody you know just to have these police you know you know, use their authority. And then, you know, and I think you caught it when they said, you know, uh, these, you know, these guys, you know, these three are probably going to say, if we asked them if they committed this crime, if they robbed this store, they're going to say, no, you know, they already had a whole story set up for how they were going to lynch them. Right. They, they were ready, you know, to, to commit, you know, a heinous act, but then, <laughs> woo, we get a noise. And, right. We hear, we suddenly see. I don't know if these like I don't know what they're supposed to be. Somebody I think I read somebody said a Wendigo, like they're like a, a mole monster with multiple eyes. Like this, they come out the woodwork, and that's pure Lovecraft. I think right. at that point, I, I said this before, but anything and everything you thought the series was gonna be throw it out the window because because it turns into a whole nother thing when the monsters come out but we're gonna have to put a pin on the monsters and oh we good uh so okay so let's get into the monsters like wait they get into these woods and the people the cops take them in there talking all their junk and you know got them on the ground and everything and like aaron said there's this noise that's a rustle in the in the woods. And then you see them look. And then you see another rustles in the wood. And you see this creature with all these eyes all on his back. This big old mouth. All these teeth. This long tongue. And then what do you see? Him take a chunk of that main police officer arm. Yeah. And I, like you said, whatever you know about this series, throw it out the window because when it got to this part, I was like, okay, I see what you mean by bringing in the supernatural horror of Lovecraft. Okay, I get it. And now we have a horror series at the moment. Everybody is scared. Everybody is running. There's blood all on Tick and Latia already. Like they are covered in blood. They're running. And then they run into this abandoned house and they're all trying to figure out what we should do. Like, what is going on? What is happening? Did you see that? Like, where's Uncle George? Like, all these things are happening at this point. Yeah, Uncle George was limping, girl. Like, I hate that he got left behind, but then he caught up. But it was kind of cool to see him. Not kind of cool to see him left behind, but to see him navigate through the woods to the abandoned house that they were in and everything. Because you got to see everybody basically split off. And that's what happens in a horror movie. Everybody splits off and everything. Um, I think one particular thing that happened in that scene when they were in the house was that the officer that was bit basically was, because he was bit, he turned into one of those things. And that was always, I, I was always curious about that because it made me think, like, I instantly was like, when he got bit and I saw him like like starting to swell up and stuff like that, I was like, oh, he's about to turn into one of these things. And that was just weird and crazy because, but that's Lovecraft. So that was just that whole nother genre of this horror series taking it to another level. I mean, it's not like a vampire 
biting you and turning you into a vampire. You know, that monster bit this man, and now this man is turning into a monster. How was you feeling about that whole them being in an abandoned house and everything? And- I mean, that, that definitely committed to the whole, you know, horror element. And um, I think when Uncle George came in and he said, you know, listen, children of the night, you know, that's a straight quote from Dracula. Like, they were definitely playing up that whole, you know, cabin in the woods kind of. Yes, cabin in the woods. But, you know, when they found out that these monsters were sensitive to light and Letty needed to go, you know, go get the light, basically, when she did that run, that I just, oh my gosh, that was perfect. <laughs> and then when they got the um, when they got the flashes, like that, I think you said it before, it was giving very much Jurassic Park. It was. It was amazing. Like, ah, like, like you said, when she was running, Running for her life, yeah, like that's like, how you run. Right. In a horror like, life. but them seeing them with the when she got the light and seeing them with this flare, and they're all standing around and they're like, you know, preparing themselves for battle against these unknown monsters that they know about. There's this whistle. We hear this whistle, and they like stop, look around, and then they disperse and they run into the woods. Right. Tick and Letty covered in blood. Like the way that whole scene went from, you know, high level stress to low level stress, like everything is going to be okay for now. Like, you know, that was crazy. But um, the way that episodes ends is them walking up to this big mansion, finally in Ardham. And hopefully we get to find out what takes you know, his birthright is and everything. They're all covered in blood. It is the next day. It's sunny. It's the morning. And they walk up to this big, 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 creepy but beautiful mansion. Um, That house was creepy, but it was beautiful. I'm sorry. Like, they walk up, open the door, and this guy, almost like a knight in shining armor, you know, welcome home. Like, how you know me like like so i was thinking like how do you know this man already but then it automatically gives me like oh he's supposed to be here like the way they ended it off like he's he he's where he's supposed to be at yeah it, it was very it was a perfect first episode you know just a great oh my god like it just it was perfect and it's set up so well for you know what's to come because like i said like you were saying you know you have this guy who looks like a knight in shining armor blonde hair blue eyed white guy you know mm-hmm. man like he's one of them and you're just like what is about to happen you know it's right night, completely night and day you know in the series and that's that's the beauty of this thing yeah it really is a beautiful show like just closing more remarks like this first episode was it was phenomenal like i'm going to, i i will i stand this show like and i've seen the comments i've seen the negativity about it and i've seen it's some issues that you know we will address because i mean we had to look at it and you know figure out like you know that is right right is right wrong is wrong but we'll get into that later but you know this show is, I'm sorry, but it's top tier. Like, yeah. you getting sci-fi, you getting action, you getting soap opera drama, black family. Even I'm so, even with the 
the other characters of the wife, like you getting all different types of drama, and it's just it's amazing. I'm sorry, like I'm shook still to this day. I'm shook to the episode right now. I probably want like once you hear this episode, the series is done, and I know the series the finale is just gonna be top tier because of the preview that we saw, but it's just watching episode one three times I have. Like, this show is really, really phenomenal. Like, big props to Misha and her crew, HBO Max, for giving her the opportunity, as well as, you know, Jordan Peele and JJ. Like, Matt, like, I'm so happy that Matt had the opportunity of his book that he wrote and made it in this narrative to be, you know, brought to life and he he wrote it as a series but they still continue to write it so the fact that it's now out and it is now you know here it's a it's great like i'm like i can say i can't i can't i can talk more and more about the first episode but you will hear my love for the series as i get to talk about episodes two three four five and so on and so on because good the love I have for this show, it grows with each episode because it's so much stuff that happens that I, as somebody who wants to create horror and supernatural and sci-fi, I am inspired by. It gives me hope as a black creator that I can do these things. And I know Aaron feels the same way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, it just... You you basically took the words right out of my mouth. It, it is... It gives me a lot of inspiration, you know, and hope, you know, that more black creatives can come out and do, you know, these types of of things. Cause you know, this isn't just a grounded, you know, story. Like, you know, a lot of people want to tell this isn't even, you know, your regular kind of horror with, you know, a ghost or a monster here. Like this is, this is top tier, you know, horror monster ghost, everything in between. Like it just, it's such a great show and it better win an Emmy. It better win an Emmy. (laughs) I can't wait till the Emmy nominations come out. <laughs> like I said, by the time y'all hear this episode, the season is over. But this show deserves all the awards, all the flowers, everything. So, but we hope you have enjoyed our first episode of Two Lovecraft and Bat. Like I said, this was the breakdown of Sundown Town, episode one of Lovecraft the series on HBO Max. We welcome all new people to the show, people who have watched the show. We welcome you to encourage you to listen to us as we break down this whole entire series, the book, and more. And I am Michael, one of your hosts. You can find me on Twitter at underscore odd geek. And Mr. Aaron, can you let the people know where they can find you? I am Aaron Michael Johnson, and you can find me at Twitter on you can find me on Twitter at Aaron Michael underscore J. Uh, hopefully, because Twitter's just being Twitter. Got my, but you know, it is what He's it is. Back. Maybe He's back. He's back. We'll, we'll awesome. Come through. Right. Awesome sauce. Well, we hope you enjoyed tonight's episode, and we will see you again soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to us. Thank you. Happy Halloween, guys. Oh, yeah. Happy Halloween.